0: In Q1 2023, Ritchie Brothers sold tens of thousands of equipment items and trucks around the world. As supply chain restrictions began to ease and volumes began to rise. Let's dig into Ritchie Brothers and Rouse Services' data to find the story behind the numbers. Ritchie Brothers Inside Edge, your guide to the latest news and trends in heavy equipment and trucks. Here's Andrew Engelhart. Our latest monthly market trends report dives into trends from Q1 2023 with volume and pricing data for most major construction, aerial, and transportation equipment categories. And to help us understand the story behind the numbers, we've got two of our in-house experts here for our May Inside Edge podcast, Doug Olive, who is our Senior Vice President of Pricing at Richie Brothers, and Doug Rush, Managing Director of Sales at Rouse Services an Industry Leader for Equipment Market and Pricing Data. Maybe we'll start with you, Doug Olive. We saw a pretty significant decline in excavator volumes in the U.S. in 2022. But early in 2023, we've seen volumes start to tick back up. Uh, So we were wondering, why do you think we're seeing this change?
1: Yeah, thanks, Andrew. I'll I'll take that one. I mean, I think one of the things we're seeing for sure is some of the the constraints that we certainly experienced from 2020 through 2022. And Call them what they may be. I mean, it was supply chain issues. There were many different things, uh, steel manufacturers, OEMs, chips, all those things. But from what we can understand and see right now in the marketplace is for sure they have eased a bit and OEMs are able to deliver assets that have been on order for some time. And the time from order to delivery is shrinking or contracting for sure. So whereas a 35 or a 45-ton excavator, for example, when people were waiting three to six to nine months, it's closer to the three months now, and maybe even some areas and some manufacturers have even tightened that even more. So as, as the constraints ease, uh, we are seeing, for sure, quite a few more excavators come to market. And I would say on top of that, there's been some large projects that have been going on, for, certainly in North America, where we're seeing some of those projects get closer to the end uh, versus uh, the start of those projects. And we're seeing some assets come off of those as well at this point. So it's a good thing. There's uh, there's more opportunity for for ourselves and, of course, our buyers to be able to, to choose from many different manufacturers and models uh, to fit their needs.
0: Right. Doug Rush, what's your kind of take on that as well?
2: Yeah, I, I think Doug Olive hit the nail really on the head. Really, the way I like to think about this is, you know, why would something end up in the resale market, right? It's interesting to ask yourself, why do assets end up in the resale market? Because that's really what drives the volume trend, Andrew, that you're thinking about. And when you think about big excavators, medium-sized excavators, there's really two different sort of primary channels, I guess I would say, that lead excavators into the resale channels. One is you've got rental fleet turnover, right? You've got rental companies, principally OEM dealers, right? If we're talking about big excavators... They're going to try to cycle their fleet over over a regular sort of period and cadence because they want to be running newer machines where possible. But you know what? You can't do that when you can't replace that machine. Because if I sell the machine and I can't buy a new one because of supply constraints, all of a sudden I am I have less machines in my fleet and all of a sudden I'm not equipped to generate the revenue I need. I think what we saw in 2022 from a rental perspective is that there simply wasn't enough new supply to feed back into the rental fleets in order to enable the disposition of the rental assets. And that constrained the number of the, the quantity of equipment that we saw in the channels. That has started to ease. We can see it in the data that we collect at Rouse that we've seen more fleet cycling in the rental market, uh, which is again a byproduct of uh, an easing, I think, of supply constraints. The other component, right? Not every asset that resells is a rental asset. We've also got a lot of contractors that move fleets over as well as they use them. And I think Doug hit this right on the head. Gosh, there was a lot of demand. There was a lot of need for equipment throughout 2022. We could talk you know, about infrastructure spending and projects and things not getting shut down. There was a lot of energy, a lot of tailwind behind our usage of equipment that I think caused a lot of contractors to say, I'm not ready to get rid of this. I need it. I'm digging holes. <laughs> I'm laying pipe. And as those projects start to reach, you know, perhaps a conclusion before we take the next big step with infrastructure spending, I think that's probably behind some of the supply increase we've seen of late as well.
0: Right. So just on that, maybe Doug, all of the, the infrastructure project, well, to both of you, the infrastructure projects you're talking about, are they winding down or are they really just in kind of a pause right now? Will they pick up again at some point this year or is this sort of a, a lull for a little while?
1: Yeah, great question, Andrew. I mean, from what I'm seeing, I mean, I'm more specifically talked into different sector projects that we see. For example, right now there's probably call it 45 billion dollars worth of pipeline activity going on in uh, in in Western Canada. Two large projects that we're seeing they're probably in that 80 to 85 percent completion right now. And post those two projects completion, probably at the end of this year or early next year, there's a lot of assets are going to be coming off that project and in, in those two projects in particular that are going to, a lot of them can be repurposed. So that's a great thing. So, But there's going to be a lot of, in different size, size classes, a lot of assets available that will have to be literally uh, taken to market. And uh, there's going to be other projects on the go. There are already. Those projects will spur more projects because there's going to be a lot of tie-ins and uh, lateral work uh, as well as those. So that's the good news. I think the other thing we're seeing too, Andrew, which is interesting, is that a lot of contractors on the contracting side have had a really nice run in this marketplace. And they're looking down the line and saying, okay, well, what what are the indicators right now? Well, the indicators are, I mean, the cost of money has gone up, the price of equipment has gone up. I don't have as much backlog as I did two years ago or a year ago, but the market is still very strong and pricing is still, still strong. So do I stay in the market? Do I continue to bid jobs, take care of my people? Or do I take advantage of the market right now and maybe go to market sooner and take advantage of that, the current marketplace versus waiting a year or so to deeply retire, uh, realign those types of things. So for sure, we're seeing some contractors take advantage of that as well right now.
0: Right, so it's that sort of balance between deciding do I get money from my assets or do I get money from another job I take, but then potentially risk losing out on the value of the assets further down the road correct,
1: or some percentage of versus competing on those projects and competing on those projects with you've got your your employee base, you've got to find employees, you've got the safety issues, you've got environmental, you've got many many concerns, cost of money, all those things versus
2: taking advantage of what they know the market is as of today. I think that's a really interesting point. And perhaps I don't relish being a large contract fleet owner right now, because what a strange and difficult strategy question you've got to ask. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, equipment values are up. Let me just say something on the order of 25 to 30% higher than long-term trends. We have seen that start to moderate a bit of late, as we've seen some more supply moving through the markets. But yet, we're still running at price points well above what we've historically seen. And so you're right. Uh, Does it make sense to capitalize on that, defleet a little bit, take some action off the table, if you will, at a price point we're happy about? But on the flip side of that coin, and I think this is just a, a really challenging question to ask, you know, when we think about infrastructure, there was a very large bill here in the States around infrastructure. And you know what? Most of that money hasn't landed yet. I mean, I think a lot of folks thought, oh, there's all these shovel-ready projects. We're just going to start flooding the, the market with all these projects. Not so, right? A lot of that infrastructure spending won't land until 2024 into 2025 because it just takes a long time for some of these projects to hit the gas. And so how do you balance that, right? You, you see on the horizon line really strong market dynamics, in the short term, you, hear, you see some bubbles, some bumps along the road, as you talked about, higher cost of capital, slowing housing, and you've got really strong equipment values today. Very, very difficult set of calculus to get exactly right. And I think you're seeing some people, as you said, say, you know what? A lot of risk out there. I just want to take some money off the table and sell some equipment.
0: That makes sense. Well, I'm um, just kind of moving, I guess, away from the larger equipment. One thing that we've seen, as you both know, is continue to see an influx of mini excavators into the market. Do you think this is a trend we should expect to continue for some, for some time? And if so, why or why not?
2: Yeah, certainly. So, so many excavators are a fascinating class of equipment. Through the COVID period, they were one of the strongest asset classes from a rental rate and utilization perspective. I think there's a tailwind sitting behind mini excavators as folks move out of backhoes into more specialized types of equipment, specifically the front-end loader and the mini excavator. I don't need the party in the front and then back if I just need one party, right? (laughs) And so I think we've seen, from a demand perspective, an enormous amount of enthusiasm for the mini excavator. And I don't think that's going to slow down because it's used across so many different construction classes. And it's a really, really high-powered piece of equipment from a capability standpoint. So I think what you're seeing is, one, a lot of demand for those assets. Two, there is an increased supply of those assets, again, as the market moves away from the backhoe use case and into the more specialized use case. And I think that's partially what's driving the increased volume. I would expect that to continue because these are just more prevalent assets in the market today than they have been in the last five, 10 years. And I think that's some of what we're seeing right now. Doug, is that? do you see it the same way or differently? I agree totally. I mean, we are. Obviously, uh, the demand
1: for them is still very strong. And I think right now, for sure, we're still seeing tailwinds where the demand is very strong. Any decent ones in the marketplace are being consumed. Uh, Pricing is very strong. But at the same point, I think what we're starting to see is there are OEMs that are outside the typical OEM supplying that market as well. So we are seeing a huge influx right now of secondary OEMs come to market with a lot of those, I'm going to say one and a half to three and a half ton excavator size classes right now. And we're seeing a lot of them. So a lot of coming into North America right now. And that's, that's adding to the amount that, that we're seeing show up at sales for sure. And they're unused, they're brand new, and they're coming from not typically
2: the five or six or seven uh, top OEMs that we typically see these assets from. Yeah, it turns out there's a lot of smart people in the OEM space that picked up on, hey, this is a winning product. And now you've got more manufacturers participating in mini excavators. It's an easier machine to build than a 100,000-pound excavator. And I think you're absolutely right. It's There's a lot of energy and enthusiasm trying to go after that demand.
0: Yeah. Just out of curiosity, I mean, with this sort of boom in mini excavator popularity and use, and is that going to or do you see it affecting values of the large excavators?
2: From, from my perspective, Doug, they're really, they're, they're apples and oranges. I mean, the, the use case of one of those machines is so different than the other that there's not a lot of overlap. Yeah. I think the places that you see the dynamics around mini excavators show up is actually over in the compact track loader, the backhoe, and the small size wheel loader, because now those things are to a certain degree somewhat interchangeable and you're seeing trends move users from one class of equipment to another. So I think you got to look at the similar size class Rather than similar yes. type of equipment to sort of see those dynamics play out. Agreed. Yeah, there's yeah. there's mini excavators on every job
1: site now, whether they're private or public and uh, or residential, commercial, every job you've got, there's mini excavator showing up on right now. So the strong demand, and uh, they
2: won't take the place of those other assets, or even affect the pricing of those.
0: Okay. Well, kind of then leading to the next question we had too was we've seen a sort of significant decline in dozers in Canada, that is, you know, and we're just wondering why you think we've seen that decline.
1: Yeah, interesting. Um, I mean, th- th- right now there's, for example, uh, we're in the middle of an Edmonton sale where I was just looking this morning and we've got over 75 D6 size dozers in that sale available and if you go back a year ago, there were probably 30 or 35 of that same class tractor. So again, some of the projects are nearing completion, and I think we're going to continue to see more dozers, whether they be D6 size, even D8 size. And The, the two large projects in our backyard here in Western Canada, for sure, they're the largest projects for those size tractors going on globally right now. So they have consumed a lot of those that size class. The good news is other sectors can they can be reused in other sectors for sure. construction sectors for sure. That'll be the first one they'll go to from the pipeline to the construction sector. But many other um, assets can be used and utilized in those sectors as well. So that's the good news. And we can find a new home for them. So I anticipate we still we will be seeing more dozers come to market for sure over the
0: next little while. And is part of the reason is that also related to the infrastructure projects kind of winding down? That Just like the excavators, they're starting to sort of come off jobs. And is that one of the reasons?
1: Yeah. In, in Again, in certain size classes, for sure. Again, like I said, probably the D6 size and the D8 size, for sure. Crawler trackers smaller than that, again, can be can be utilized on any construction site, again, whether it be public or private. So there's still very, very strong demand for all of the above. And I think we'll continue to see that as they can be repurposed onto in, again, into different sectors and different construction areas. So,
2: Yeah, interesting story around dozers. I mentioned earlier that we've seen a little bit of downward pressure in pricing in a lot of the earth moving categories. Dozers have actually held pretty steady. And I think when you have tighter supply conditions as the lead into your question, sometimes that's what happens, right? If there's tighter supply, you should expect more stability and values. And that's actually what we've seen. You know, I do do think we've seen more stability in dozer values than some of the other dirt classes, which, you know, again, I think is a byproduct of tighter supply there.
0: Interesting. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about multi-terrain loaders. We touched briefly on them earlier. We saw a swift uptick to the start of the year. We sold more than 1,600 units in the U.S. in Q1 2023, which is up about 600 units from Q1 last year. And skid steer sales also grew, but not nearly as much. I'm just wondering, why do you think multi train loader volumes are kind of coming up to auction more often than skid steers? Is it similar to the mini excavator kind of scenario? Yeah, from my perspective, a big
2: driver of this is, again, rental fleet cycling. These smaller dirt assets, compact track loaders, uh, skid steer loaders, Not entirely, but they've principally moved to be a rental asset. I mean, they're small, they're easy to get around. You need them for a short period of time on a big job site. So I think the rental penetration of those types of equipment has really increased in the last eight to 10 years. And what you're seeing now is those, as the rental fleets have grown, as rental penetration has increased, as those assets have aged. And now the key, right, we talked about this already, the key that the OEMs can resupply them in a way that they weren't able to do the last couple of years you're seeing a lot more fleet cycling happening, and that drives that drives resale volume. And I think that's part of what uh, what's at work in those increased numbers that you refer to. Doug, is that square with kind of how you think about it? It is. And again, you, you hit the nail
1: on the head there. I mean, when you look back even, I think you said eight to 10 years, when you look back eight to 10 years, and you look at the number of typical skid steers in the marketplace versus today on multi-terrain loaders, when they started coming into the in the workplaces and on construction sites, they've literally, I don't know what the number is, but it's got to be five to one or maybe even more than that now that multi-trains have taken over for skid steers. And multi-trains are called exactly that for a reason. I mean, it doesn't matter whether they're working on soft ground, uh, hard ground, asphalt, snow, wet ground, they're utilized and they're, they've are they repopulated that entire construction segment for sure. And for that fact, the OEM see the demand, so they're building more of them. And to Doug's point, they're going into rental fleets are so a very easy asset to rent. And uh, now we're starting to see as some of those fleets refleet, we're seeing some of those assets come to market. So well
0: let's um just chat a little bit about uh, aerial and material handling equipment. It's a obviously a popular equipment category. Uh, we've seen similar trends with rising volumes and declining prices just to couple of stats in Q1 of this year, we sold more than 1,100 telehandlers in the U.S., just up from 600 at the same time last year. And we also see huge volume upticks with scissor lifts and boom lifts. So how do these trends in aerial equipment compare and contrast from what we're seeing with construction? Hesitate
2: to be a bit of a broken record, but we just talked about compact track loaders and skid steer loaders and the rental dynamic. Gosh, when we move to telehandlers and aerial I mean, these are almost entirely rental assets in this day and age. Telehandlers hit the gas big time seven, eight years ago. Most rental companies want to hold these things to 88, 90, 92 months. Guess what, folks? That's now, right? That's now that these things start to cycle out. So I think, you know, we've talked about these trends around smaller dirt equipment and and backhoes. Boy, they really manifest most significantly in the aerial categories. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing here. And it's interesting to note, the rental fleets grew so substantially through the 2010 to 2020 period that we are—I mean, the, the market has to digest an enormous quantity of these fleets as the rental companies cycle them out. And I think you know that is exactly what's driving that downward pressure. I don't see a lapse in demand for these products. I see an oversupply of these products, but there's still a need for them, right? There's the, it's not that folks aren't buying them. It's not that folks don't need them. It's just that there's an awful lot of them floating out there today from a supply perspective. And the good news, by the way, a rental company can hold them for seven, eight, nine years. These things are built to last. I mean, they got a lot of life in them. So yeah. even at that age profile, uh, I think it's a great opportunity in the secondary markets to find an asset that's still got a lot of life left in it. And that's why they're able to move them, right? That's why we they, they flow through our events. People buy them. They're, they're really terrific assets from a, a long-term perspective.
1: Yeah, right. perfect comment, Doug, agree totally. And w- when we are seeing them uh, show up at auction sales, and, and large numbers of them, for sure, there is a great secondary market to Doug's comment about, they might be seven, eight or nine years old, but because the utilization on a specific work site, they're not being used for eight hours a day, they're being used for a half hour a year, 45 minutes there a day. So at the end of their time, when they do get uh, spun out of the of the rental companies, they've only got fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred hours on them, and they're they're a great asset for a secondary market. And uh, yes, we are seeing plenty of them, but again, we're seeing strong demand
2: for them as well. Uh, I was going to say they're usually well maintained too, because if a rental company is going to try to hold them for eight years, you know you got to do some preventative maintenance on those things. You, generally speaking, they come from good homes. There's exceptions, right? Of course there are, but generally speaking, they come from good homes, and that's also extending the life of these assets. I agree totally. But-
0: well, let's just uh kind of finish up with one last one, which is a favorite topic and always really interesting, is truck tractors. Transportation has been through lots and lots of ups and downs over the past few years and has been well-documented that the transportation industry experienced record demand and pricing for used trucks during the pandemic. Since Q1 2022, we've seen the prices slowly come back down to earth. Q1 2023, we, or we sold more than 4,000 Truck tractors in the US, that's double what we sold in Q1 last year. So we're just wondering, what do we see in Q1 this year that we didn't see last year as far as the truck tractor market? Yeah,
1: Andrew, from my perspective, what we've seen come to market, I mean, for sure, there were a lot more truck tractors put into the market from that 2019 to 2022. And the numbers, I mean, we've got the numbers behind the, behind the scenes for sure about what's been manufactured but obviously demand and the changing of the landscape with covid in 2020 and 2021 certainly drove a lot of things at the time there were low fuel prices there were high spot rates insurance costs were affordable all that has changed when you look today and you see like back in 2021 like tender rejections for freight was down below 5% well today that number is probably over 20% so Trucking contractors, trucking uh, companies are are seeing that change. And, of course, they've seen the cost of money go up. They've seen the, the price of fuel go up, the cost of insurance go up. The price of that truck has gone up. All those things have changed. So, for sure, I think we're going to see more of the same. And maybe, I mean, it's very cyclical. The transportation market is very cyclical. We've seen this before. And probably what we did experience, though, was probably one of the longest high cycles we've seen in a long time. And that can be, I would say, from about that twenty early 2019 till late to mid-2022, for sure. We were riding a high in the transportation space. It'll be normalized once again, but it has fallen quickly, and I think we're going to continue to see some of that exact same things happen throughout probably Q2 and Q3 until it normalizes once again. Now, again, that's just in talking over-the-road trucks We are still seeing very strong demand for vocational trucks, industry-specific and sector-specific trucks, very strong demand for those types of assets. And again, there's still supply chain issues with things such as vocational trucks. Those could be dump trucks, plow trucks, water trucks, vac trucks, all those types of trucks. Again, sector or industry-specific, still very strong demand for those assets.
0: I guess you could sort of see this as more of a what they call real estate a market correction rather than prices just sort of falling, it's just sort of more back to normal. Do you think Do you think this is going to continue? How do you sort of see this one playing out, if if you do at all?
2: Yeah, so I, I, I'll lead into this by saying I'm no expert on the truck tractor market, but what I can tell you is that truck tractor trends, volume trends, and pricing trends have a strong correlation, uncanny correlation, really, with the spot rate for trucking, whether you're looking at a a reefer truck or just an on-the-road truck. And really what we've seen, you know, I don't have exactly the precise numbers in front of me, but you've seen the spot rate for trucking decline 40% in the last 12 months. You're going to see an impact to used equipment truck values and used equipment truck volumes when that happens. And that's exactly what we've seen. So I think the question to ask is maybe when do we see stabilization or improvement in the truck spot rates, because that I think will drive a lot of the dynamics that we see in the used equipment markets as well. If I could forecast that myself, uh, I wouldn't be with you guys here. I'd be in Las Vegas. So
0: (laughs) hard to know. know. Well, this has been a a super interesting chat, guys. I really appreciate your time with it and uh, look forward to having you guys here again to talk a little more about equipment values and the trends and what's going on in the market. So thank you both, Doug Rush and Doug Olive. Thanks so much for listening to the latest edition of the Ritchie Brothers Inside Edge podcast. Stay tuned for the June issue of the Ritchie Brothers Market Trends Report, and we'll see you next time. Inside Edge, your guide to the latest news and trends in heavy equipment and trucks. To hear past episodes and for more industry insights and articles, visit ritchie-hub.com.